When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones, and Gav Buckland as a Tudor fast over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. In the week, the Blues got off to a winning start of the new season, of course. Looking forward to Saturday's trip to Ellen Road and plenty of talking points in between. And Preno, one of the talking points in between everything has been uh, a new signing, but not a signing anybody expected. <laughs> I think, you know, I don't know what the odds would have been on Andy Lonergan joining Everton in this window, but whatever they were, they would have been long. Um, but he's in the building. He's an Everton player. It was. It was quite refreshingly old school, wasn't it? The manager sitting at a press conference, surprising everybody by announcing a signing. And uh, he's right exactly what he said. It wasn't one that we were expecting. Uh, a third choice goalkeeper, which it's one of those because of circumstances that's being forced upon them. Uh, Harry Tyrus picked up an injury, which uh, which nobody knew about. Obviously, Jack Virginia, I think they want to go on loan. So, you know, they need a third choice just, you know, as backup, you know, for the short term. Andy Lonergan's available. Um, I'm led to believe he actually turned Emerson down 10 years ago uh, in order to go to Leeds. Uh, so I didn't know that until I read it you know, somewhere earlier. And uh, we also spent the 2019-20 season at Liverpool. Never played a single uh, single appearance there. So Can you imagine uh, it was the most miserable season of his life. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. So yeah, you know, so not not just managers crossing Stanley Park now. It's players. It's become an absolute you know deluge. Um, no, it's it, it's understandable. Just uh, an experienced goalkeeper that probably won't see any kind of uh, first team activity. We hope he won't. Uh, because that'll mean that, you know, so there's something serious happened with Asmir Begovic and Jordan Pickford. Uh, but yeah, just uh, as backup, just in case. But it's a signing and it always excites people. So yeah, always quite entertaining to see that. Yeah, as Perno said, one that came totally out of the blue and uh, Rafa seemed to take a little bit of glee and a little bit of delight in sort of keeping everybody on the toes and, and announcing that, just uh, just dropping that into his press. Uh, just staying on the goalkeepers, um, Adam. Uh, you know, did you foresee Begovic putting uh, the same level of pressure on Jordan Pickford that Robin Olsen managed to last season? Um, not initially, I don't know. And I, I don't think that's any any sort of slight on Begovic at all or, you know, talking up Olsen in any way. I think it's just that Pickford's better at, at the start of this season than he was at the start of last season. You know, he'd had a couple of seasons probably at Everton where he was, you know, his form was fluctuating a little bit. He wasn't the kind of you know, consistent shot stopper that we saw at the back end of last season, particularly. So, you know, I would argue that Jordan Pickford is currently in the best form of his Everton career. He carried that on, of course, uh, for England over the course of the summer as well. Really unlucky not to uh, win the Euros with England after making two penalty saves in a shootout as well. So he's he's got at the height of his confidence, I would say, and I would say he's at the height of his form as well. You know, he started... Uh, the league season off on a solid footing, I would say. Unfortunately, didn't get the clean sheet, but yeah, I think he made a solid save from Adam Armstrong in that first half. And then the second half, James Ward-Prowse was peppering 
the box at one point with those uh, quite dangerous-looking corners. I think Pickford actually dealt with those quite well, uh, commanding his area uh, in that sense. So I think that's going to be the only thing that's holding Begovic back at this point. Now, whether he you know, maybe gets his chance in the cup game against Huddersfield next week, for example, you know, that could be uh, the easiest way for him to be rotated into the side at the minute. But yeah, I think the only reason that we're, we're not going to see Begovic as much as we did Olsen is just because uh, Pickford's already gained uh, all of the experience that he needed from Olsen challenging him last season. So he, he seems in a much, much better footing. And, you know, fingers crossed, uh, long may that continue. And Gav, of course, you know, any goalkeeper is perhaps only as good or, or you know, his his form and, and, and performances are obviously influenced by the players directly in front of him. Your stats that dropped uh, an hour or so ago, Gav, tell me that if Michael Keane plays um, at Ellen Road tomorrow, yeah. it will be his 150th appearance for the club in all competitions. But we'll jump almost straight into team news in that respect. Does Michael Keane make his 150th appearance tomorrow at Ellen Road or is there too much of a concern with what happened against Southampton? Um, depends on the uh, availability of others. Um, I was a bit unclear about Roth, what Rafa said about players being available. Somebody asked them to correct it, you know, to sort of elaborate on it. Uh, yeah, uh, Keane, well, I said last week, didn't I, last Friday, that I felt that our biggest um, threat against us this at the moment is in the centre-half position. I'm just not totally convinced uh, collectively as the four that they're strong enough for me. So that I said to you during the game last week, Phil, didn't I, that, you know, I'd said, said uh, in the pod that I was not entirely convinced by the four. And you saw that uh, Keane, second consecutive Premier League game, if you go back to the end of last season, where he's been called and possessed the led to a goal. Uh, to be fair, he improved in the second half, but I just get the impression that, um, you know, Benitez wants to play a little bit further up the pitch, maybe. Um, he's, just, he's just outside the area, as we always say. He struggles, doesn't he? Um, so, yeah, I'd say definitely under under threat, Keane. You could argue that whole case is as well. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. I'm just thinking, Penn, I'm just sorry to go back, but Andy Lonergan, sort of the, the Alex Chamberlain of the 21st century, isn't he? It, well, it's that old third choice goalkeeper thing, isn't it? Yeah, you know, so, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, that, that was a dreadful time for third choice Everton goalkeepers because, I mean, Neville never missed any games ever. Uh, so, you know, so if you were third choice, you had absolutely no chance. But, I mean, Richard Wright, formerly of this parish, seemed to make a career out of it, didn't he, in the end? He, uh, he was at yeah. Man City up until like two or three years ago. So it's just one of those yeah. jobs. So if you can nail it down, yeah, you're made for life, I think. You don't have well, to get to do well, anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, well, that's, just, just, just on the side, but definitely, definitely Keane is a, a, a centre-half under under pressure. I just, going back to what, you know, it's the reverse of last season, isn't it? We felt that Keane would be one of those who would flourish mm. without it, without, you know, without spectators on the basis that he does look to be affected by a sort of adverse comments, shall we say, from the, uh, the stands. And he, after this mistake last week, I thought he, uh, for the, you know, the next, I don't know how long it was till half time, about 15, 20 minutes, I'm not sure. He was uh, very shaky, wasn't he? Got to a couple of times, nearly conceded an own goal. Um, yeah, he, 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 he may, it may still be stuck on one four nine this time next week, Phil. Mm, indeed. Um, just going, just going back to Andy Lonergan, um, as, as as has been mentioned, you know, we tried to sign him and we think he turned us down. So he joined Leeds in 2011, so 10 years ago. And since then, he's played for Leeds, Bolton, Fulham, 
Wolverhampton, Leeds again, Borough, Rochdale, Liverpool, Stoke, West Brom, and now Everton. Although I must, I must sort of clarify, he's not actually appeared for about four of those clubs. But uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, a third choice goalkeeper very much. Uh, very much uh, is become his thing, hasn't it? It'll, be, it'll become a quiz question in the future, like Marcus Hanneman and uh, <laughs> a few others of recent vintage that you know crossed our thresholds and never appeared. But I think I think it was Gav, perhaps who mentioned last week's pod that you know there are the transfer business that has been done so far reminded him and has reminded others of a kind of two thousand four five Everton yeah. era type of thing. And again. I know it's circumstance, but it, you know the, the acquisition of Lonergan just kind of adds to that theory, doesn't it? And it's very quiet, and you know the understanding yeah. is that we need to get rid of players to, to get things in. It, it do, there is there are a lot of kind of um, similarities, I guess, to that. You know, and, and also yeah, 2011. Yeah. I think you mentioned Gav, didn't you, as well, and things like that. That, that era, very much so. A lot, yeah. lot of similarities in style of players as well. You know, in terms of. You know, so hard-working, pragmatic players that you trust, and you know you can get um, a tune out of. I remember uh, David Moyes saying when he, you know, he signed Kevin Kilban, and uh, to a great degree of disquiet amongst the supporters because he was seen as a bit of a journeyman. I think it was one point one million, and uh, he said, "Well, yeah." He goes, "No one ever gets excited about a six-foot-one left winger." I think it was the phrase he used. Uh, but Kevin Kilban proved a very, very good signing for Everton. And a lot of these signings are all very similar. Uh, you know, the, the hard, it's almost like we're abandoning the, the Galacticos approach, if you like, uh, which has been you know tried by previous managers. And we're going now to a bit more of a tried and trusted approach of, you know, so players you can trust, players you know will give you a certain you know performance level week in, week out, a bit more consistency, if you like. Might not be as sexy or as uh, as exciting as supporters want, but if it's effective, I don't think we're bothered, are we? You know, as long as it gets results. Mm, of course, concerns about financial regulations obviously play, playing a big part in that. Adam, I mean, generally, though, what are we, 11, 10, 11 days as we sit here recording this podcast away from the close of the window, August 31st, 11 p.m., it closes. We signed uh, Townsend, Begovic, Gray, now Lonergan, all, all for less than £2 million. Um, if, if, if we were to close the window with this same squad, how would you feel? I would say the same squad with the likes of Moise Keane and James Rodriguez here as well. Yep. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, well, it, it's an improvement on, on last year's squad. I would have to say, if if that is the case, because you know we will we, we will have essentially you know let Olsen leave, brought in uh, Begovic, which I think is essentially a like for like, and you know we've saved <laughs> a few millions in not signing Olsen rather than uh, getting Begovic in, uh, and then you know, Bernard leaving has opened us up to signing Townsend and Gray, and even. Even if they were potentially options from the bench, I would say I'd rather bring one of them off the bench than Bernard. Uh, with the way he was performing last season, it's especially he just couldn't he just couldn't find his groove because he had Everton consistently. Whereas these two lads, you know, they, they've at least got a fresh start to try and to try and find that groove themselves. So, you know, I, I would have to say on the face of things, I would be fairly happy with this squad because, as I say, last season I think the squad should have finished better than they did. Yeah, I think they, they got a decent points total, of course, and they improved on their points total from the season before. But finishing 10th does just seem like a bit of a disappointment, especially considering where we were with, you know, seven, eight games to go of that campaign. We should have we should have finished higher than, you know, just a, a standard mid-table 
uh, and that doesn't that doesn't change with the with the uh, current players and the squad. So I, I would say I'd be fairly happy with that. It, obviously, the the lack of right back in that sort of situation would be the big disappointment for me uh, over everything else. You know, maybe uh, the lack of signing one of those you know high quality wingers or forwards, let's say, to maybe bolster the attack as well. But in general, I, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be necessarily hugely disappointed or fuming about that transfer window if it was to end like it is because you know as, as i'd say you know, we'd still have Moise keen to to uh, use we'd still have you know the quality of james rodriguez to use as well they're two phenomenal players one of which that we didn't have throughout the course of last season so it's another improvement that you could uh, potentially add to the squad as well so it, w- it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world i, I i'd say I, I i can't really see that happening i do i do still see one of, if not both, of Keane and Rodriguez leave, and, and if that happens, then I think replacements have to be on the on the horizon as well. As we've said earlier in the week as well, a right back should really be uh, on the horizon, even if it is just a, a short term solution for this season as well. So I can maybe I, I I don't really see it happening, but I wouldn't be too disappointed if if the window ended as it is now. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Gav, you know, the message filtering through is we, we, we long suspected and kind of knew that, you know, we're in a position now where players will have to be moved on for players to come in. We're at that stage and we're at that up against sort of the regulations uh, and what have you. But does should the club be, have done better in being able to move players on or is the market so difficult as it is that there is has to be some consideration and sympathy that actually it is just such a impacted transfer market as it has been for the last 12, 18 months, so to speak, that it is nigh on impossible to move on players who are commanding big wages and underperforming. Or just commanding big wages, regardless whether they're performing or not. Is that's that's the thing, isn't it? Uh it's, it's the latter to, to, to answer your, your question. Um I was talking, I was listening to somebody talking last week who was saying about the problem with the, uh, the market at the moment is the lifeblood of Premier League clubs are fees of 15 to 20 million pounds. They sort of keep the market turning over. You know, a decent Premier League player is probably like a three year contract. Good luck to play in the Premier League. We move clubs, you talk in the market of 15 million. Yeah. And then we've had loads of players like them, you know, and, and basically every other club outside the top six or even top four. Um, you know, it, it's a problem, isn't it? There's just no cash flow now in the game, and I think it'll carry on. I think this could carry on for the next couple of years. To be fair, I'm not even saying it's going to end. You know, at the end of August, and that's yeah, the that's... positivity we came here for, from Gavin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, that, but, yeah. But, but that, but that's the thing. Is yeah. that is the thing, though, isn't it? That is just fact. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, that is fact. It's not ne- negativity about ever. That's just fact. Everybody's saying the same thing. It's impossible to move players on. And 
I think um, I'm a bit prickly about what was said on Wednesday. Obviously, you know, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, think about it now, but seriously, uh, seriously, um, I think um, it's a problem for us. And I think the disappointing thing about Keane and Rodriguez would be actually it's the wage bill, isn't it? Regardless of bringing players in, it's just cause a problem on the wage bill. Um, you know, you only have to look at Everton's squad. The amount of money that they incur and the costs per season, players who aren't, you know, for one reason or other, not contributing on the pitch. And uh, yeah, having said all that, and to bring the positive spin to it, mm-hmm. uh, you may see a flurry of activity near the end of the uh, the transfer wins like other um, other years. You may you suspect that clubs who want to buy Keenan Rodriguez may leave us at the very last moment yeah, yeah. to. Uh, you know, to to, to, to make a uh, make a move, but yeah, it, it's it's just a transfer window is just you know it's just being affected enormously by COVID and the the damage it's done to book finances. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, and, and just on that theme of Premier, and and Gaz right, and there's you know you were nodding as well, and you know still we we hope and we expect there will be some sort of. Um, releasing the traffic jam you know the last the first few games of the season always focuses minds with 48 hours of a window to go and stuff and so you know the expect expectation would be that you know the super agents behind Rodriguez and Moyes Keane so to speak will get something done and it will, it will allow Rafa to, to bring in one or two but you know do you feel that you know the fact that the manager hasn't been able to go and buy players sooner and get his squad together sooner than you know, he would have he would have liked is actually a consequence of both the impact of, of, of COVID, but also an accumulation over the past three, four, five years of, of transfer mistakes that we've left ourselves or lumbered with, really. It, it, it's both, but I think it's significantly more the latter of the two options that you've said there, because we have squandered an awful lot of money uh, over the last three or four years. I mean, some of the players that we've brought in, you know, for, for huge sums of money, haven't really delivered, you know, and you could go through, you know, so player after player after player. Uh, I mean, I, I won't name names because it's a bit harsh. Okay, I will. Alex Iwobi. I mean, you know, so come on, how much money, you know, so he cost? And you would have expected a little bit more than, you know, so the handful of goals he got last season, certainly. Uh, you know, so other players, I mean, you know, who've cost significant sums of money, haven't really delivered. And so I think the positive thing is that Rafa will have been made fully and acutely aware of um, his spending potential when he was made Emerson manager and he'll have come on board with his eyes wide open because let's face it in the past he's been very very good at upsetting um, you know so sort of boardrooms and club owners for not getting you know so sort of what he wants and what he asks for in the transfer window uh, he'll have been told look you know we're stymied because of um, the financial fair play restrictions and because of the money that we've spent in recent years and you know we will give you money to spend when we can but for the time being we can't afford to do that and so he'll have accepted that which is why he's uh, approached players that you know he knows and he's familiar with and he can trust like you know Andros Townsend and Begovic and Damari Gray and uh, he'll have other you know some more ambitious signings uh, obviously absolutely but won't be able to do that in the near future so it's quite reassuring to a degree that um, the manager's prepared to work under those circumstances and is happy to do so uh, maybe just maybe that's why Carlo Ancelotti decided that he, you know, had enough already. He brought in what he could. I thought I can't do any more in the near future. I'm not so sure I fancy this. Uh, so I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing there. I've certainly got no insight into that. Um, but it, it's quite reassuring. And 
yeah, it's also a little bit frustrating that we have suffered because of our you know, sort of transfer window activities in the last three or four years. But that's why football clubs have got to be cleverer and be a little more astute. You know, we have tried to do that in the past. I mean, certainly the um, the policy the club was trying to introduce of bringing in younger players with you know, better sell-on value seems to be working. And then they got ripped up, didn't they? Like uh, a summer or two ago, we started bringing in you know, sort of older players who sort of cost a bit more money. So I don't know, maybe we'll move back to that. But yeah, we are undoubtedly suffering you know, sort of from mistakes that we've made in the past. Indeed, whether Rafa will be quite as uh, placid if something goes wrong at the weekend <laughs> or Brighton and really yeah. remains to be seen. Yeah. I, I vivid, vividly remember Marco uh, in the corridors at Mainz after some very concerning friendly games uh, in, in the summer of 19, giving me an interview where he basically put it on the toes of the club to go and get five or six players. And I think there was, there was what, 10 days left of the window. And yeah, he was a, he was a slightly concerned man at that point. Um, a sort of, uh, you know, in sort of a gloomy prediction of what was to come, I guess. Um, Adam, just... Phil, just Phil, sorry, Phil, can I just add something here to what I'm hmm. saying? I, did, I was looking at this last week. I've been four players: Awobi, um, Delph, Moise Keane, and and Tosin collectively have taken in wages and their transfer fees and their transfer fees calculated, taken more than thirty million quid a year, costing the club collectively those four players. I bear in mind our turnover here is what two hundred million. <laughs> There's four players who. You know, his contribution, shall we say, very yeah. across the season being kindly. And, and that's the problem we've got, is we've got a lot of players who are costing us a lot of money, who, you know, each year through wages and their transfer fee, who are not really contributing for, for a number of reasons. And that's a problem. We can't get rid of them. And that's, that's, that's it, isn't it? You know, and... Um, you know, that, that goes back to what I was saying before, the problems of the COVID-related you know, impact on, on finances are just really hammering us, maybe more than any other, many other clubs at the moment, given our spend over the last four, four or five years. Never forget that um, Marcel Brands at a general meeting, I think it was early 2020 maybe, rather candidly on a slide referred to Jenk Tosin as an expensive player. And of course, <laughs> he's an expensive player. <laughs> An expensive player who, because of real misfortune and bad luck with injuries, the club just haven't been able to get rid of. And, you know, we, we carried the update the, earlier this week that it's going to be middle of October before he's back to training. So it's looking like a November return to any sort of match action. So, again, he gets to January. Will he have Will he have suitors? Will he go? Or will he just have to sit out the remaining six, seven months of his contract? You know, these are, and that's where I was getting at in terms of, there has been, should we be doing better? But equally, there's, we have been sort of hostage to some circumstance, haven't we? But um, uh, just just going back to what Rafa said uh, at the press conference and looking ahead to the game tomorrow, he was asked about COVID and again, sort of repeating, well, well two things. One, being very coy about who was isolating. And I mean, other than James, who you just said isn't available. So we assume that's for the same reasons, we assume. Um, but then refusing to sort of, expand beyond Moise Keane was headed back, but again, not confirming if he definitely will be playing. Mm. Um, and, he's, and he was asked what, what the club doing to try and prevent COVID outbreaks. And, 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 he, and, and he was saying, you know, the club are doing everything we can, but obviously when the players go home, they have freedom, so it's out of our control. But interestingly for me, he also said, we're encouraging them to take the vaccine. 
Mm. Yes, not not all of them have done yet. Which, which which is quite interesting, isn't it? When you when you're looking at you know the the rest of the state of the country as well. You know the, the vaccine uptake has been you know, by and large has been very very massive. Unfortunately, I haven't had uh, both both my vaccine doses yet. Uh, I was meant to have mine uh, earlier in the week, and it got cancelled on me, which is a bit of a pain. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's quite interesting, isn't it? But you know, at the end of the day, we. I'm, I'm, I'm very much like, you know, if, it, if it's a player's choice that he doesn't want to take the vaccine, then, you know, it, it's, it's it's the player's choice at the end of the day. The, you know, the Everton can encourage all, all they want and and that's fine, I, I suppose. And I suppose that's their, that's their duty as the employer and, you know, the, with the way the Premier League is and the regulations that they've been handed down from the Premier League and the government, you know, that's the situation that Everton find themselves in. But, you know, the players will find themselves in their own individual situations as well. And if they don't want to take the vaccine, then they, they, they don't want to take the vaccine. And, you know, with what Rafa's said there, as you quite rightly say, it does it does kind of suggest that, you know, maybe not all of the players have decided to take it as of yet anyway. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. And, yeah, you, you can understand uh, Rafa's... I wouldn't say frustration, but you can understand Rafa's point that he was making with regards to the other sort of COVID regulations because there is only so much Everton can do, isn't it? You know, they've only got their players in with them for a few hours every day and obviously they're still going through all the stringent social distancing. They're still wearing masks around Finch Farm. They're still you know, trying to be you know, as separate as possible uh, throughout, throughout their time at Finch Farm. But when they leave Finch Farm, the players can... Can go and do whatever they want, and you know that's the that's just the, the the situation that the country finds itself in at the minute. So if they if they're potentially picking up uh, COVID from elsewhere, then there's you know, there's not much the the club can do. And unfortunately, the club have found themselves in a position now where you know they've got numerous players who are being forced to self isolate, not necessarily because they've got COVID themselves, but because they've come into close contact with somebody who's got COVID. It's something that. Uh, everybody across the country, you know, if if you've got the NHS app, you know, you'll know that that's it, it's a very very common thing, isn't it? So it, it's something that Everton have just kind of got to deal with at the minute, and it, it it must be quite frustrating, especially for a new manager as well. He'd love to be able to have a, a full contingent of players available to him, but unfortunately for well, now it'll be for the first two games of the season at least. He's not been able to have that, so. Yeah, you can understand why you might be a little bit frustrated, but you know, the clubs, clubs kind of doing all they can at this point, aren't they? So it's you've just got to hopefully wait and see, and you've just got to hope that you know, the situation doesn't get as bad as it's got for Everton uh, today. Uh, you know, just hope it doesn't get repeated uh, any later on in the season. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Rafa, as we'd mentioned earlier, a little bit coy in terms of who was available of the players who were missing uh, from the Southampton game who would be back. Strongly suggesting Moyes Keane would return. We've seen Jean-Philippe Gabalin pictured in training, in full training earlier this week, but 
Rafa um, a bit evasive on whether he would be fit. Gav, your stats tell me that our record in the Premier League at Ellen Road played 13, won two, one of which, of course, was last yeah. season, drew four and lost seven. So what, what team does Rafa pick to get win number three? Uh, it's that, that's a good ratio of wins for us in the Premier League compared to our football league record. It was absolutely atrocious, I'd say. We've never won successive matches at Ellen Road, you know. Just First crazy. time in Gav. I think, I think, <laughs> statistically, it's our worst, uh, worst place to go. And that said, that said um, I think the team... I, I'd say, I, I don't know if it's saw Leeds last week, I, I think they could be vulnerable uh, tomorrow. Um you know, they do tend, have a tendency sometimes to, to collapse, certainly the start of last season with Bielsa. So I would expect to see a team that's pretty similar to, to last week. Maybe you might want to bring another centre-half in. Um, but I'd, I'd certainly think our, our tactics of getting the ball forward quickly um, to, to pressurise the Leeds defence um, would be, you know, be the way forward because I think they are vulnerable at the back. Um, and I, I, I see no reason at all why. So if you play like you did in the second half last week with that team, maybe bring that centre half in, then I think we could do some damage tomorrow. And we go, we go in there full of confidence as well, won't we? I think that was a big win for us last week in terms of confidence of the players. So, answer your question, Phil. Same team, maybe change one of the centre halves, and I think we've got a decent chance. So. Brent, Brent, what's your thoughts on the team? You know, Rafa hinting after, well, not hinting, basically saying afterwards that. They're going to ask Richarlison to get through the next couple of games and then try and give him a rest. Can we can we ask him to, you know, go to the well again for the next two league games and can he get through those? And what's your thoughts about this? It's a quite a, yeah, it's a question I haven't seen really. Um and I was I was a bit concerned that you know, I think the plan is for Richarlison to play up until after the Brighton game, and then there's a two-week break where you know you would hope he could get a rest of some sort. But Brazil have got three World Cup qualifiers in that period. And uh, Richarlison, by the very nature of the man, will want to play in them. Um, you know, you'd imagine that he would be called up. And so he's going to be jetting over the uh, other side of the planet to a red zone country, which means that, you know, so he then has to isolate for 10 days when he comes back. And he'll have to miss two games anyway then, which is maybe the Burnley game. And it's Aston Villa we play after that. So you think maybe you'll, you'll finally get his belated break then. So, you know, that, that's a concern because he is so important. So, it's obviously, the transfer window will have closed then and hopefully we may have another attacking option on board. Who knows? Uh, but as far as the team for tomorrow goes, yeah, I mean, totally with Yerry Mina coming in and starting. Uh, I would love Ben Godfrey to be available, but it sounds like he isn't going to be. Uh, so, you know, that's an option taken away from the manager. So, yeah, Yerry Mina to replace either Michael Keane or Mason Hoggate, both were particularly unconvincing, I thought, on the opening day. So I don't mind, you know, so which of those, you know, so makes way. And it'll be an interesting one. I mean, the thing that concerns me most is that this is Leeds's first Premier League game in front of a crowd since 2004. I've lost sight of that, you know, so because obviously we played them a couple of times last season. You just like to think that's it, they're established in the Premier League. But both games were behind closed doors. So this will be a huge deal uh, for the Leeds players and the Leeds team. And, you know, they play at a really high intensity anyway. I mean, Bielsa's side, so absolutely renowned for that. So that's going to be, you know, sort of ratcheted up, you know, sort of notch even more so uh, with the crowd. So it's going to have to be a very, very focused Everton performance. 
So, you know, do you run the risk of a, a central defender that likes to dwell on the ball a bit too much? You know, so maybe not. Uh, but yeah, what Gavin said, you know, so because, uh, you know, Accentuating the positives that Gavin came out with there, you know, they can be got at, you know, so as Man United proved last weekend, if you, if, you, if you get at them, you can hurt them. And uh, we were very direct, you know, with our performances last weekend. Hopefully that will continue again. So who knows, you know, it could be one of those humdingers, you know, so, uh, you know, so a five goal thriller, you know, so we'll, I don't know, we, we'll see. But yeah, it's, it's a really interesting game. Wouldn't like to predict which way it goes, to be honest. It could go either way, but we'll need to be absolutely switched on focus and super intense from start to finish. Adam, you know, and talk, talking about, you know, trying to match in inverted commas because I appreciate that no, no team can sort of really um, level with Leeds in terms of their physical output. But, you know, Ben Godfrey was, was sensational at Ellen Road. And I mean, he was literally up and down and he was, you know, so, but working on the basis, he won't be playing. Do you, do you feel we've got enough in terms of energy and legs across the pitch generally to... Uh, keep leads at bay if that regard and, and, and have some semblance of control and, and, and hurt them where we where we want to or yeah I, I would say so uh, I would say from the evidence of that Southampton game particularly I would I would say it does look like we do have an added level of intensity obviously Rafa's been working these players really hard over the course of pre-season we didn't have many full pre-season games but those matches in Florida played in those conditions would have certainly helped last week well a couple of weeks ago playing against Manchester United okay the result wasn't great but playing in a match uh, of, of, against a team of that quality and at that intensity again that would have would have helped uh, before the start of the season as well and I think we did see the effects of that uh, in that first game against Southampton especially up front you saw the likes of Townsend, Damari Gray, Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin all of them were uh, full of energy as you as you would have expected closing down the defenders as much as possible. Uh, Abdullah Decore showed a tremendous amount of energy. Uh, I, I would say as well, full-backs, especially during the second half, we saw Luca Dean bombing on a lot more. Seamus Coleman was getting up and down as much as he could as well. So I do think that we do have enough energy uh, across the pitch, but it's about picking and choosing your moments. I think you're completely right in what you say. that uh, There's probably not many teams in the Premier League at the minute who can go toe-to-toe with Leeds in terms of their intensity across the course of the 90 minutes. And I think that's probably what Everton picked up on in February. We, I think Leeds tried to draw us into that high-intensity game for the whole 90 minutes, but we kind of picked and chose our moments of when we wanted to actually go at them. And when we did go at them, more often than not, we were pretty clinical. Uh, I think Calvert-Lewin maybe missed one or two chances, but apart from that, you know, we, got, we got the goals that we needed to get and then when we were, I don't want to say sat back because it it, it it still wasn't an easy task at all, but we were very organised when Leeds were on the front foot, for example, and I think that's that's what it's going to be all be about this weekend. It's all about finding that balance. You can't, I think Rafa Benitez will know that Everton can't go toe-to-toe with Leeds and go at them constantly and be constantly closing down, etc. We just haven't got the legs in the, te- in the team for that. Uh, and I don't think many teams in the Premier League have got the legs for that. So when you are standing off a little bit, you just need to be as organised as possible. And I think that's where it falls down onto our defence. I probably would bring Yeri Mina in. I would argue I'd probably bring him in for Holgate. I think Mina and Keane as a partnership, I think is... Uh, historically worked a little bit better than Mina, Mina and Holgate, uh, as far as I can remember. Anyway, I can't really 
can't really recall many times that Mina and Holgate will have played together, but I, I would feel a little bit more comfortable with Mina and Keane providing that sort of solid, organised base uh, if, if we were to be playing like that. So, you know, as, as Preno said, it can, it can certainly go either way. And I think maybe the first 10 or 15 minutes might dictate uh, the way the game might go if we were to potentially get an early goal again. That could really put the cat amongst the pigeons in terms of leads and you know, hopefully it would uh, it'll scare them a bit after what happened to them last week at Old Trafford. But yeah, it, it, it is all about just managing that intensity rather than trying to go out leads for the full 90 minutes, I would say. Gav, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, um, Gabamin had been pictured in training, you know, back full training it appeared. Uh, our information was that he was hopeful of playing. Rafa was very coy um, when asked about him um, today. Do you think it's it's an opportunity to start Gabamin, or, or or if he's available, would you be better used off the bench? You know, to help Everton retain a level of intensity and energy, or, or do you need him in in some sort of midfield three with Decore and Allen? Or I mentioned that last week, the possibility of that didn't we? I'm not sure. Uh, what I'd say about Gabamin is his leads away that I like to pitch somebody. Here. You know, keep bear in mind what Adam's just said about intensity and matching them. I'm not sure whether it'd be my first choice of game, especially, you know, think of the intensity they played without a crowd. Imagine the intensity they played with a crowd. Mm-hmm. Ireland's old. I think it could be, you know, an enormous challenge for them to come in. I wouldn't fancy it. Uh, I'd be interested. You may see the core sitting in a little bit more tomorrow than last uh, last Saturday. I'd say... I do get the Mina. Uh, I think that's a good shout. The Mina Keane thing. I think that's probably, you know, saying before about Keane being vulnerable. Perhaps say Holgate's the one that's vulnerable because being and Keane is a more that natural partnership. And I think, uh, think Keane tends to perform pretty well. Uh, but I'd, I'd leave the Bamman, You know, I'm not sure about his fitness on the uh, on the bench tomorrow and go with what we had last week. Uh, I'll be with maybe a change to centre half. I wouldn't fancy me first first game. Leeds United, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, predictions time. Um, we've talked about the team, how we think Rafa may go, how he should go. Um, Prenob, how do you think it will go at Ellen Road tomorrow, three o'clock, uh, Everton, well, Leeds versus Everton? So. It's, it's so, so difficult to predict early season games because we're still getting to know about new managers and, you know, sort of approaches and stuff. I wasn't far off last week. I went for 3-0 and I finished 3-1. So I'm going to go for, a, like I said, a very open game. Um, Everson will be very positive. We'll try and get at Leeds. Obviously, they're going to be positive because that's the way they play anyway. Uh, I can see there being a lot of goals. I just hope they're shared evenly. I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. And I think I'd take a draw all day long now, uh, given the atmosphere, given how intense it's going to be there. Um, I hope I'm wrong and I hope it's like a, a, another you know, handsome win but uh, no I think 2-2 two, 2-2 two, two, two draw for me Ad? Yeah I'm going to cop out and say a draw as well to be honest I think uh, Leeds' result against Manchester United last week just and how heavy they got beat just made me think oh, they're going to be right up for this game as Preno rightly says you know first time that they've got fans at Island Road for a Premier League game in 17 years. It, it, it all just points to it being a really raucous and really tough atmosphere for Everton to play in. And I know, I know we had some amazing away performances last last season, of course, but it's going to be much harder to keep that up with away fans back in attendance. So, 
Yeah, I'm 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 gonna go for a one-one. I think we'll be we'll be organised enough uh, to keep them at bay. I think, and hopefully we'll be uh, clinical enough to grab one for ourselves. And as Brenner rightly says, you know, taking a draw, four points out of the first two games, I think we've got to take that. To be honest, that's a that's a solid enough start for a new manager. I'd say. Gav, um, both Adam and uh, Preno go for a draw. Just for just for uh, context, Leeds last season only drew five league games, and I think it was the same as City. They only drew five, and the team that drew fewer it was only Sheffield United who drew two, but they lost twenty nine matches. So they they right, are the very right. much kind of win one, lose one, win one, lose one to me. I mean, yeah. I, I I have to I admit up. that when I when I saw the results. At Old Trafford, my immediate thought was backlash. Yeah, or oh, the other thought, what I was saying before, is Bielsa seemed to have a habit of like running out of steam, don't he? And like, so it's only after a finite time. So, yeah, interesting. I was going to, oh, I was listening to this, but I was looking at uh, Howard Kendall when he first joined in 81 82, on his first home game, 3 1, yeah. after trailing 1 0. Yeah. His first away game was at Leeds. And his yeah. second home match was against Brighton. So, right. uh, on the basis that we drew one all leads then, when Alan Barley scored Breno, uh, I'm going to go with a one-all draw uh, tomorrow because I think, I, think, I think that'll be a decent result. Yeah, OK, three draws. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to be different. I think we'll win 2-1 just to be... Uh... Just to try and end on a bit of positivity. But a draw is a decent result, isn't it? I think if Rafa was offered four points from the opening two games, I think he'd be relatively chuffed with that, wouldn't he? Especially with a new team and and not you know a full squad that he hopes to be uh, coming out of the window with. But uh, we shall see. Uh, Adam and I would be at Ellen Road providing you with all the updates, uh, reaction, analysis and opinion. Uh, so stick with us across the day on Saturday. Uh, chaps, thank you very much for your company and thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.